Welcome back to May Contain Violence. Here we are looking at 90s films featuring our bl favorite bloodsuckers. I just wanted to uh, make a quick note here. We had some audio issues with this episode through the first half. And because we're still doing this remotely, um, we had some weird call drops that I tried to edit out as best I can. So if there are some parts that seemed abruptly cut, um, or if we repeat ourselves after we just said um, something, <laughs> then you'll you'll know why. That's where the uh, edit cuts were. But um, yeah, it's a good talk. We talk a lot of, of the bigger films uh, that came out in the 90s. And it was such a large session that we actually had to divide it into two. So this is Vampire Films in the 1990s. And uh, we're going to cover some TV on the second part. So here we go. Hope you enjoy. So the year is 1992. We're in the 90s. Woo! Uh, <laughs> I'm. I couldn't find an earlier one. So, um, and we did already kind of talk about it already when we were talking about uh, the books uh, mm -hmm. alluded. But uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula came out mm -hmm. in 1992, uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Mm-hmm. And to this day is probably still my favorite version of Dracula, if not my favorite vampire movie of all time. Ah, he's just so good. He's ah. just the king. And he knows how to, he knows, like, he's, he's the godfather of godfather. So. <laughs> well, <not> a direct <laughs> relation there, direct mm -hmm. connection. <laughs> he's the godfather of godfather. And I mean... Yes, and, and stylistically, that movie's just so visually amazing, as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, Dracula, you talking about? Yeah, Dracula. Yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He Directed. brought a visualization to it that is both old and new. I would agree with that. You know. Um, I was reading that he told the um, the costume designers to keep away from traditional attire and bring me stuff that you've seen in paintings mm -hmm. and your nightmares. <laughs> so he was really trying to think out of the box. He wanted to get as far away as the kind of campy cloaked vampire um, yeah pointed collar uh widow's peak hairstyle as he as he could yeah i mean well we did get bunhead dracula which was we did but kind pretty... of odd but still funny <laughs> uh well it's funny because my mom will make fun of that dracula like the gary oldman dracula with the the, the bun and yeah. she'll like we've watched the movies and she'll do like the the shadow part where he's coming coming up <laughs> behind Jonathan Harker and she's like she'll be like I'm Dracula <laughs> and I'm like 
she'll she'll kill herself like she'll just start laughing so hard because she's <laughs> she's like well you know me and your dad saw that in the theaters and it was just hilarious because and that's how i know something's not scary because my mom is like this is not scary. she'll laugh if she laughs it's not scary but if she's grossed out that's that's more something to worry about because if she's grossed out by something then i'm definitely going to be grossed out by it so well this this version was pretty violent it was Um, and uh they actually had to i think cut some of the violence out of there Mm -hmm. um but it was more a visual feast it was it was so interesting to look at yeah there was never a dull moment on the screen and whether it's from interesting camera angles or these effects that they did that was all done like on set and with either rear uh projection screens or or other techniques um it was interesting when he presented how he wanted the effects done to the effects team um and that he wanted to to use all these kind of old styles with forced perspective and, and, and stuff like that. The effects team said, "No, you you can't do that. You 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 need digital effects." Mm-hmm. So Francis said, "Okay, well, thanks for your um, uh, thanks for your say, um, but we're we're going a different way." And he fired the entire special effects team, and he gave it over um, to his. Uh, to his son, um, mm-hmm. uh, what was his name? Roman, Roman Coppola. Yeah. Who then went in and, and researched what his dad wanted and he used traditional and trick camera techniques to to get all those effects. So no I digital mean, SFX was used in that. I, I find that like you're, even watching other Coppola films, he's just so organic in, in mm-hmm. terms of his style. Like he's just, he wants it to be like he's, he's willing to take the risks in order for it to be very authentic, mm-hmm. you know, in, in style. And, and, and that, like, I mean, that comes across in his whole filmography. So, I mean, yeah, like it's just a feast for the eyes and, and this it's I like, I mean, the thing, the elements that he sort of introduced into the film were that I think sort of influenced my, opinion on like later vampire films so right uh, like uh, that's the that's the the dracula i grew up with was the gary oldman francis ford coppola dracula oh yeah yeah for sure um i yeah at at that age so i saw this when i was in high school (laughs) you don't want to know how old i was (laughs) (laughs) 1992 i was five when you said your parents saw it in the theater, I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I was still a child. I was still very much in nappies at that. No, I wasn't in nappies at that point. But at 1992, I was five, and I was the little girl that would hide around the corner and sort of peer around the corner to see what my parents were watching. And if it was something scary, I was like, the like I just always used to be like, are they watching something scary? I don't want to freak myself out. But my like my parents are like, you would always like knew when I was up because they could hear me like creeping. And then I like they'd right. see my face from around the corner going like, What are you watching? 
<laughs> Will I be internally scarred by this? I don't know. Like my like five year old self must have known. But I'm still gonna watch. <laughs> must have known that I was like about to scare myself. That I was just gonna have intense yes. nightmares. But it's okay. I'm I'm okay now. <laughs> but yeah, like in high school, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All me, and my friends went and uh, went went to see it. Um, I, I, what I like so much about it is it's 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 this kind of fine line of historical drama and fantasy yeah. because it is um, the the looks and costume and all that. It's it's still very much oh of of the period, mm-hmm. oh, a little more lavish. Uh, but then you, you see stuff like when um, Dracula had that um, that armor on that kind of looks almost organic yeah. shell, like fa- such a fantastic design yeah. exists in real life. <laughs> but um, it looks great. It does, and um, I mean, it's just yeah. everything visually about that movie is still so impactful. Like I, yeah. I like I can just like right now sitting here recall in my mind like images from that film and just like and the and the use of color too like just the the oh, vibrant yeah. use of color in, in the costume and the scenes and like and the and like do you know like you know that scene where they're in the garden and there's like that like sort of like like red like sort of silk sheet that comes down like sort of like blood mm-hmm. flowing and i was like i still oh, remember yeah. that so yeah um every set piece was very memorable mm-hmm. uh, just like from from the interiors of the castle from the castle that oh my gosh the castle which is almost a living thing unto itself mm-hmm. it just like it's it's an architecture that shouldn't be like it, it doesn't conform to regular architecture yeah and it just the strangeness and oddity of dracula's ca- castle like it's almost of its own dimension its own set of rules true and i um, mean i think that was sort of described in the pages of the book yeah so i really do yeah. love the fact that sort of francis ford coppola really took that and sort of ran with it so we did get that mm-hmm. visually in on on film yeah yeah when jonathan is exploring the castle yeah. and he gets lost a couple of times uh in in, in the book and that and it's just it's just kind of this ever shifting labyrinth yeah like the uh, the, the things events. the hallways shift everything is moving constantly like there's just it's not just like a stand like it's not a stationary place it's constantly moving yeah. and changing and it's a labyrinth in sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cool. um so the movie stars uh gary oldman as dracula mm-hmm. uh anthony hopkins as professor abraham van helsing yes. uh who just killed it in the role he did um Winona Ryder as uh, Mina Murray, then Mina Harker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard E. Grant as Jack, Dr. Jack Seward. Yes. Kerry Elwes as Lord Arthur Holmwood. I mean, look at this cast. 
Billy Campbell as Quincy Jones, Sadie Frost as Lucy Westerner, mm-hmm. and Tom Waits as Redfield. And yes, I did leave his name at the end. Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. <laughs> With his terrible British accent, him trying to do a British accent. The one of the worst accent performances of all time. I'm gonna disagree with you there because if you've ever seen Brad Pitt and Snatch, you know what I mean when I'm saying worst accent no, on no, screen. Glorious. His role in Snatch is glorious. I'm not saying his role in Snatch was not glorious. It was a great role. Like I mean but the accent I mean, like Jesus. <laughs> but yeah. That was like Cockney to the extreme. It's kind of interesting um, because just after they did, I believe, Bram Stoker's Dracula, both Keanu Reeves and um, Winona Ryder ended up being in another film together called The Age of Innocence with, um, what's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis was the lead oh, in that okay. one. But again, like that whole period piece, like they were, both of them sort of got in, like after doing that movie, got cast in a bunch of period pieces but um yeah like the worst british accents uh, accent i've ever seen and it slips throughout the movie yeah oh yeah it's 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 terrible so i i mean now i could look at it and 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 kind of laugh it doesn't it doesn't take me out of it as much just because i've seen it so often uh but i can totally understand if people watch this and they can be taken out of it. Um, poor Keanu. I'm glad he had success after this. <laughs> I, I just think Keanu is like a, a figure upon himself now. Like he's just, you know, like God bless social media and the resurgence of Keanu Reeves because he's just mm-hmm. his commitment. He, it's not Nicholas Cage level commitment, but he commits. So, like, right. but he'll never commit to something he can't pull off. Nicholas Cage will commit to everything and and commit hard, <laughs> hard, hard, hard. So yeah, he'll double down. He'll double down. He'll do it for you. And and yeah. Nicholas Cage is a Coppola. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just uh, doubling down and committing to it, even though you're just not a good fit. So yeah, um, but other. Then, oh, and uh, interesting note. Um, do you know who was offered the role of Jonathan Harker but turned it down? Oh, God. I, I, I think I remember seeing this somewhere, but I'm going to let you take the lead on this one because I hate being wrong. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, it was uh, Christian Slater. Yes. I can't imagine it. I uh, really can't at this point imagine Chris, Christian Slater in that role. Another American is like, what, you know, like, why, why not press? someone british um but he he later regrets turning it down um, i don't know why but like yeah it would have been a chance for him to start another thing with winona Ryder after heathers but that's okay <laughs> we're good but also to work with coppola too yeah right? well i think he did work with coppola later but i could be wrong like but christian slater i just can't imagine christian slater in that role either no, I know. But both of those choices are like, well, he was, they wanted someone like kind of that would get the female in. <laughs> they wanted someone who, 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 who would get the female viewership. 
uh, into the movie. Yeah. And they went young kind of in 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 the now type of personality. I don't think that would be a sell today because I don't like I I, I don't know. Oh, I, think, I don't think it would be a sell today. Think, you don't think? I think I think they still I, I think they still do these stunt um uh hirings. Well, I don't know. Like I I find that like these days women are like the fact that they're trying to cast things so that you know you get the viewership by you hear mm-hmm. so much like negative like like views around casting like you know with Robert Pat Robert Pattinson and Twilight and and what's his name in Jamie Dornan in Fifty Shades of Grey like where they're just like oh he's not a fit and you just hear like mm-hmm. they still got viewership but like I just like I think today like we're just much more open to being vocal about like yeah that's not gonna work for us oh you know? yeah I, yeah I think. That- we are on a they're they're on a better path than they were back in the eighties and nineties and that and probably less they're more they're more open to uh casting authentically rather than um well just who's the hottest face. Yeah. But not totally. I mean I I I think it still happens. Uh, it probably depends on the studio. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think so too. I would have to agree with that statement. That part I'd have to agree with. Yeah, it depends on the studio for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely in the 90s and we're going to talk a couple, a couple of movies that were very much um, driven by an actor's uh, ability to get people's butts in their chairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, we're talking about you, George so... Clooney. We're talking about you. <laughs> talking about you, George Clooney, and we're talking about you, Tom Cruise. But you're, <laughs> you're, we're, they're, they're yet to come up here. Um, I think that's more so, of my attraction. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was uh, uh, Winona Ryder who uh, brought the script to uh, Coppola's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a, I, I don't know how much you know about. The Godfather or Godfather Three? Yes, I do. Winona Ryder was originally right. cast as as uh, as was it? It's Maria Corleone, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. She um, uh, opted opted out of the the film um, while it was being filmed, so they had to reshoot with. Um, and they brought in Sophia, right? Yeah, Sophia Coppola, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was a bit of uh, a bit of a strained relationship between Winona and um uh Francis Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh so they um decided to have a lunch and kind of just like talk it out mm-hmm. and it, it was it it was more it was more built up than it actually was they they, they he, he didn't like hate her or anything like that but um so they they kind of smoothed things over mm-hmm. and at the at the last uh as she was leaving she she handed him the script and said i think you you'd like it and this is why i i like it and um and uh he like this was one of his favorite novels to read at camp apparently mm-hmm. so, um yeah, so it was Winona who brought it to his uh, his attention. Yeah, that, uh, 
a script even existed. I think she like had had a scheduling conflict because of uh, of another movie she was working on. So she they really tried to make it work, and she ended up having to back out of Godfather Three, like at like the like eleventh hour, basically. And then they cast Sophia, and there's a whole lot of drama there, anyways, uh, based on her casting yeah. and. And what like like it doesn't I I don't know I don't think her performance detracts from the third movie in any way I think just the entire plot line of Godfather three sort of like didn't always make sense to me having watched it but you heard, have you heard about the new re edited no one I have not yeah so Francis went back and uh, re edited the the film and. Um, apparently bringing footage that was cut. So yeah, we are getting a basically a director's cut of uh, part three. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw I just saw that advertisement. I can't remember where I saw it. I will have to send that uh, thing to you. But um, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's happening. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm open to watching that because I mean, I just found that the third movie just for me, like in terms of story, just did not seem yeah, as entirely cohesive i love the ending scene though where like they're outside like i mean spoiler alert but who cares um they're outside of the the opera and then the gun shot goes off and then you see like mary like drop and then you see uh you know um michael just like basically like it's just like a silent scream and mm-hmm. everyone's looking at him like with horror on their face, but he, there's no sound coming out. And then you hear this, finally hear like the, 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 the pain scream. And I'm like, that is just one of those most memorable moments of cinema. And like the pain feels real. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like it, Francis Ford Coppola is a genius. So <laughs> he is a genius and I'm open to watching yeah. anything he does. He's much older now, but you know, I'm still open yeah. to that. Yeah. Me too. Um, but he never, as far as I know, he never went back to like a genre type film. This was pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I did. Pretty much hit, wasn't um, it? I'd have to say so. But I mean, I've heard so many things about like how he does casting and especially like his, one of his first films was um, The Outsiders and how he had like several different groups of actors and they were like, they, they did like, at like like a whole like mm-hmm. weird like audition type thing where they were all like he would swap people out and change people here and different groups of actors. Oh, interesting. And, and it was more. I just recently watched it. It was more of like an acting camp, per like the way oh. that like I've listened to Rob Lowe's. Um, I don't know if you've seen the Patrick Swayze documentary, but like they definitely talk about how they like had different groups and it was sort of like an acting sort of seminar. Basically, that's the okay. way that Rob Lowe describes it. It was just like it was just him just trying things out and seeing what who was a good fit. But he just definitely is like, this is my vision. This is the way I see it. This is the way it's gonna work. And he's yeah. just he's true to himself in that process. And yeah, and this is why um, some studios are nervous um, getting him as a director because he generally goes over budget and over time. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, we so, need those movies. I'm sorry, but we need those movies. Yeah. 
Oh no! I mean, like to <laughs> to an audience, we don't really care. I mean, we just want a, to see a good movie. It's the studios who are always up in arms about coming in on time because we have to get out on at this spot. But as an audience, like we don't give a shit. No, we want a good. <laughs> you no, know, we can win. We want a nice you know? product. We don't want like we don't want like yeah. a. We don't want it nicely packaged with a bow on it. We want something that's authentic and real and and, and speaks to us. In a, in a, I've never, ever heard someone say, well, I'm not going to see this movie. It was supposed to come out in May, and it's July now, so I'm not going to see it. it you know, no one, uh, never heard that complaint. I know. Well, the, the hardest thing about the whole COVID thing is, like, now all the movies that I've wanted to see have been postponed. And I'm like, yeah, God damn it, I just want to see them now. Can I see? Can I watch them? Can I go? Yeah, I know. Can I just like rent out the theater for for me and a few friends? Like just a personal viewing <laughs> session. I am happy to do that. Please send a Cineplex. Please let me do that. But you know, know. yeah. It, but I mean, Coppola. Like I mean, just in terms of, I I don't think any other director could have handled Dracula. In, in terms of um, his, uh, um, in terms of what the script entailed. Um, it's the most um, loyal to mm-hmm. the book that we've ever seen. It includes all of the major characters. There's no character swapping or, or role swapping or just deletion of characters or anything. It's like everyone of import from the book is in there. Um, still, some changes were made, obviously. It's always going to happen with an adaptation. Yeah, some um, slight changes, but, but nothing too major... And I don't know if you remember, like, there was, like, a little bit of, like, a, like, a lore tied to this movie, but um, the wedding scene between Keanu Reeves and, uh, well, Jonathan Amina was actually con- conducted by a real priest, so, yeah, what? so <laughs> there's a little bit of, like, a, like, a, a joke between Winona and Keanu, like she'll text him on his birthday where she'll be like, happy birthday, husband. And he's like, thanks wife. <laughs> you know, where they're like, she was, I think we're technically married based on the fact that it was conducted by a real priest, <laughs> a real Orthodox priest. <laughs> and um, I kind of love that. Like, I kind of love that fact. It's just like that authenticness that sort of like lends itself to popular culture in a way with that story. Yeah, that's cute. They would have had gorgeous. I children agree. They're still old. single now. They could <laughs> still like you know pro- they're too old now at this point to <laughs> like. I hate to say I, like I hate to say it, but Winona can't have children at this point. But what it what would have been if they had just gotten together? I just feel like even though like he wasn't a good fit for the role, he just has major chemistry with whomever he's act like whoever sure. his acting partner is. Like he just they seem to just really work well together in on screen. The love feels real between those two characters. So I, I'll give him I'll give Keanu Reeves that. He's he's got he makes he makes like everyone look good around him, even if it's like a really cheesy movie. He like you feel that chemistry he has with everyone he's working with. Right. Yeah, he's a giving actor. Uh, he is. So, I can't wait for Chapter Four to come out. Okay. So, 
I know. I know. It's like, well, you made three solid movies and uh, with, with John Wick. It's like, how, how far are you going to push it? Are you going to five movies? Or, I mean, or... I think four is enough. <laughs> I feel like four is a good solid like. Uh, that's what I feel too, but I, I think there's talk that he, he wants to go as far I'll, as I'm there for it. If he's going to take us on that journey, I'm there for it. So, but carrying on to, uh, um, to uh, what did you want to go from dust till dawn or did you want to talk about? Uh, well, I, I was kind of going chron- chronologically okay. here um, for some. Um, something different here so uh so yeah mm-hmm. that was 1992 now um 1992 is also when buffy the vampire slayer yes. the movie came out <laughs> <laughs> did you want to take the reins on that? i did see the film i think i saw the film twice uh, i i've I, I, but, i've got um, it now on uh on dvd so <laughs> and it was on netflix <laughs> i was so excited it's still on netflix it hasn't been pulled from their lineup yay but like i just i watch it and i'm like this is so 90s like this is like right there like this is what i remember the fashion the the music the 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 dialogue you mm-hmm. know um so this was uh joss whedon's first uh it was his first directing foray i believe and it was his first, like, it was the first time he, he was, he was known as a script doctor in Hollywood. So he would just, he worked on Roseanne. He was one of the writers on Twister. So like, this was his first foray into taking something he had written, an original script and, and directing it and, and the, and the whole bit. So there's a bit of like now everything that's come out about him recently like there's there is a bit of that time and like how he it was a difficult set to work on the movie itself uh and not just the show but uh yeah it's just like it, it's it's such a, to me it's still like Buffy holds such a like a soft like warm place in my heart so um I can talk about the movie at length. Uh, Luke Perry, uh, Christy Swanson, who yeah. is also like another scream queen from the eighties. She she was in a few uh, horror movies, but it was like the first time that we saw the pretty blonde girl uh, taking on the monsters as opposed to running away from them. So and and. Mm. The thing that was a little bit different about this movie was the uh, the fact that the vampires, like, I mean, in other incarnations, like the vampires dusted or turns to dust, these vampires get, like, she stakes the vampires and they kind of just drop to the ground and their bodies are still there. Like, they're, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, and yeah. And like it's just the whole lore behind the Slayer. Like in every generation, there is a Slayer, and the one to fight the vampires and demons and monsters and everything that goes bump in the night. And and she bears the mark. You know, the the, the mole on her left breast is the mark 
And I, I love that scene between that exchange between her and Donald Sutherland where he's like, You bear the mark, and she's like, That ugly mole thing, I had that removed. And it's just so like it's so classic <laughs> Valley Girl. But I uh, just the movie, like it's it's just such a campy, fun ride to take. And it's visually nineties. I mean, Luke Perry was a heartthrob at that point, so playing Pike was sort of a good fit. And then you had um, David Arquette in it, and he plays Pike's friend, who ends up being you don't remember, don't remember. the the friend that's that like that yes. that infamous scene after his friend gets t- David Arquette gets turned to a vampire, and oh, it's Benny. His name is Benny in the movie. So Benny's sort of floating outside the window and he's like, let me in, man. I'm hungry. He's like, you're floating, man. I don't know what stuff you're on, but you're like literally not on the ground. What the heck? (laughs) That that is almost a, I wonder if it is meant to be a homage. It might be. Like, I think that Joss was, is such a fan like such a super nerd himself that he may have pulled stuff from other mm-hmm. bits, but I remember like from like various interviews and and the documentary behind Buffy the Vampire Slayer that he started out with the idea of Betty, the immortal waitress. So she's a woman that lived through time and she's a waitress at a diner in California. And and sort of it sort of developed into like this sort of slayer mythology where one dies and another one takes its place, another girl takes her place. Okay. But they don't really discuss that too much in the film. Like it was, there were some things that needed to be fleshed out a little bit. But they sort of said that Merrick, his character was like a, like in the film, as opposed to on the show where there's dozens of watchers and each watcher is assigned and they sort of get called upon um his is more of like a every he's a reincarnated version of himself every single time yeah oh oh like the war that part either oh and and that was played by donald sutherland canadian gem donald sutherland (laughs) but uh, apparently uh he and uh, joss whedon did not get along on set um that's a little bit of a a factoid that's out there in the ether um oh i just want to um chime in there mm-hmm. i just want to correct you that uh it wasn't just directed buffy it was fran oh, okay yes yeah, fran rubel kazooie but he did kazooie I, I, yeah screenplay by joss whedon but i mean we um yeah we had so many like like up and coming actors in that film as well. We had Hilary Swank. She played Buffy's friend Kimberly. And we had Paul oh. Rubens. He was a vampire in it. And Pee yeah. was a vampire. Very, Very memorable nice. role for him. I love that death scene towards the end where. Well, that. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, I trailer. still love that scene where it's like, ooh, and like Lothos is playing like the ooh. the uh, violin, and he's like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, that is so like true to him 
and his acting style. I love Paul Rubin, so like you can come at me, but I like I love him. <laughs> no, I like I like him. Um, I grew up with Pee Wee no, Herman. I, yeah. I I don't care. Like Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Rutger Hauer is in it. He plays the ultimate vampire, Lothos. I mean. I, like he played the bad guy in Blade Runner, so oh, yeah, I just yeah. love the fact that they sort of like juxtapose this like old and new. Like these are these ancient vampires that have been around for centuries, and they sort of adapt this sort of um, the lingo, and they try to adapt and and become a part of the society that they're in. They're not like except for the clothing that that whole clothing thing where they sort of stand out because they have aged clothing they're not wearing clothes from that time so but they definitely adapt and uh, like they definitely adapt and are able to talk to other people it's not like they talk in like a a once forth and like you know therefore and all that like shakespearean stuff like that you see yeah. Uh, yeah, in previous vampire incarnations, but I still, I still love this movie. It's just, it's so nineties, and <laughs> and oh, I love. Like, I mean, I love Donald Sutherland in it. It's like every time he's about to do something, he like takes his mustache and he curls it. Like, I don't know if you remember those scenes where he's, like, about to attack so Like, he goes to throw the knife, but he, before he throws a knife at Christy Swanson and she catches it, like, he, uh-huh. he, he, like, takes his mustache and he, he, like, curls it first. Smooths out his mustache and he throws it and he goes, she goes, you threw a knife at my head. And he's like, you're the slayer. You caught it. Only you could have caught that knife. And then she punches him in the nose. <laughs> And like it's little scenes like that, like like little flourishes that he does that just make it so like campy and fun, and like like it's like a wink right. at the camera without winking at the camera. But yeah, yeah. Well, you have this, you have this very rebellious um, girl as 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 your slayer, and like like you said, she's she's not a she's mm-hmm. not a victim. She's not one of stars, but she is. Um, she is one who, she, even though she's kind of flighty, she has a good yeah. head on her shoulders and does it. Like yeah, d- definitely. I'm not like I would agree with that. Like she's she's a typical modern age girl, but she's gonna do things like she's gonna train, but she's gonna do things her way, you know. Yes. And I think that essence of Buffy carries on into the series, where it's like, yeah. I've trained and I'm doing this, but I still want to be normal and I'm trying to like be normal as much as I possibly can because this is such a huge responsibility that's been thrust upon me. Like it's unfair to make a young girl be take this role of protector and and fighter, you know? So I, I do like that everything that she does is with a flair of herself in the modern times. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I don't have much to add. It's, it's been a while. It's, um, 
but I think I have to. I think I've been convinced. Oh, I forgot to add. Stephen Root plays her principal. I don't know if you know Stephen Root, but mm, I no, do. You remember Office Space? I believe you yes. have my statement. Oh yes. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. He uh, plays the yeah. principal in that movie, and he's just uh, like. I know him. He brings a comic relief, but I love the end of the movie where all the like the vampires are on the ground, and he's like throwing out detention slips. He's like detention, 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 and it's like it's like so perfect. It fits that the whole movie fits for the time, and the performance are performances are memorable, like. I love I love that movie. It still holds a soft spot in my heart, and it's so campy, but it still holds. As far as I'm concerned, it still holds up today. About Ben Affleck and his like little minor cameo, where the the vampire basketball player is like growling and breathing bad breath into his face, and he's like, "You can have it," and he like runs off. He's like, "No, I'm not about <laughs> this." Yeah, but there's a lot of uncredited cameos in this movie, and I'm like, "Oh." Yep. <laughs> yes. Um, Seth Green. Yeah. Played a vampire. Yeah, uh, she Ricky plays Lake. the waitress in the diner that uh, <laughs> Buffy like reconnects with Pike in, where where she, they they drop the money on That's her tray. She's like, you can either have two coffees or a hot dog. <laughs> and he's like, I'll have a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, Alexis Arquette, who I yes, guess I'm trying to remember what scene he's in. I can't remember. Like, there's there's a bunch of cameos in this movie, but I think Alexis got it because David was in the movie, but that was before he tr- she transitioned to Alexis, so she was still she was still um, oh. she was still a pre-transition Alexis. She, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, here. now I know. I know exactly which one that is. That's um, that's at the dance at the end, the big final battle showdown. Yeah. Right. Right. Thomas um, Jane? And Thomas Jane. What scene was he in? What is he credited? Yeah, uh, he played a character. He actually had a name. He played a character called Zeph. I can't remember. I'd have to rewatch it now because... Like I, I remember, I remember Ricky Lake, and and now I remember Alexis Arquette, and and a few others. But I'm just like Thomas Jane is not ringing a bell for me right now. I don't know what scene that would have been in, but I I like that movie. Like it, it like I mean, it, it also introduces like the fact that the parents are also not really in the loop that happens like in most horror movies where it's like they're kind of like like Buffy's mom like yes. Joyce is a little bit more like socialite-esque and she's like bye honey kiss noise you know where Buffy sort of was like she mm-hmm. goes like she's talking to her boyfriend when he's over watching a movie with her and she's like he thinks my name it, like she's like her, she's talking to her dad she's like she, like he thinks my name's like Anthony <laughs> you know like just describing how like out of the loop and out of touch her parents are with raising her like 
she seems very much like the kid that raised herself. <laughs> Whereas in the right. in the right. series, like there's a little bit of a change where her mom is a lot more involved as a parent, and her dad's more of the distant father figure. But but yeah, we can we can talk more about the series afterwards. <laughs> Okay. Um, all right. Uh, moving on then. Uh, next, we have uh, coming out in 1994, another mm-hmm. big vampire film. You uh, mm-hmm. with a vampire. Uh, we did talk yes. a lot about this already when we were talking about this. Um, but I just wanted to a couple of uh, oh, for sure. behind the scenes stuff. Um, it so at the time it was the biggest budget mm-hmm. vampire film okay ever made. Um, it, it's, it got about I think about seventy million to to film, where most vampire films were done on like a modest uh, budget, almost mm-hmm. sometimes a shoestring budget. Uh, Vampire effects are relatively cheap to make and all that, but they wanted to, um, the producers wanted to make this kind of a, a lavish uh, production. Um, I think one was quoted as saying, the, the gone, gone with the wind of. Uh, of <laughs> well, that makes films. sense because it's kind of funny <laughs> because you remember the scene where Louis is in the theater talking about seeing his first sunrise on screen and it was gone with the wind. With right. the sun rising over the plantation, so it's like a <laughs> little wink and a nod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, mm-hmm. directed by Neil Jordan, and, uh, cast in with Tom Cruise as the start of line court, Brad Pitt yes. as Louis de Pont de Lac, Person Dunn, Claudia, Antonio mm-hmm. Banderas as Armand, Christian Slater as the interviewer, who is uh, Daniel Malloy. Uh, I don't know if he was yeah. named in the movie, but that was the name of the book. And uh, Stephen yes. Ray as Santiago. The, the main ones that I have here. Um, as is well documented, Anne Rice was not pleased with the casting of No, Tom she Cruise was like just vehemently Lestat. like against it. She was like, no, that's not my my Lestat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, she wanted, I think, a European mm-hmm. actor. I forgot who it was. Um, but, you know, studio being studio, they wanted someone marketable. And this is what I, what I meant. So, casting people to get their butts into the seat. Cruz was paid $10 million yeah. for it. And it's kind of fun that like, he was the bigger star because I just feel like Brad Pitt was more established than he was at that point. Um, Brad Pitt apparently was not happy mm-hmm. with the script version of Louis. Uh, after reading the books, he thought Louis in the books was much more um, introspective and mm-hmm. you know, questioning. You know, just, yeah. just had more depth to him, where the Louis here is almost the bystander to Lestat's over-the-top yeah. uh, personality. I can agree with that. Uh, I can like, see I can that. I totally agree with that. 
But yeah, like I mean, Louis. Like yeah. I, I think that Louis is the the voice of that book. Like we go along with him on his journey, and he is much more what it means right. to be eternal, and sort of that brooding with in relation relation to that. And yeah, in this in the movie, they try to like the it is not like it, like it is more of a like. Let's see how outlandish, like, Lestat can be. It feels more like yeah. a Lestat story than a Louis story, uh, especially when, you know, she's on the screen. There, there is a big part of the film yeah. where uh, Lestat is not in it, uh, especially when, he, when Louis and yeah. Claudia go searching for the other vampires. We don't see Lestat until Louis yeah. goes back to America. Uh, and uh, and then by that point, you know, Lestat's yeah. shadow of his of his former self. So I think I think in those scenes, Louis got to shine more when he With, was away, away from, from Lestat. Uh, Louis being uh, or Pitt being able to shine more without um, Cruz's presence. Yeah, uh, but Cruz, I mean, I I thought Cruz was really good, and Anne Rice later conceded that after she saw him. Yeah, and phoned and phoned him and apologized to him. So. Yeah, I think maybe physically he just wasn't the fit for her. Like, right. but in terms of portrayal and like the fun, like you just see him having fun, being yeah. like evil. Like I wouldn't say evil, but like having fun being a predator. Yes, in a sense. Yeah. Um couple of the actors that she suggested to the studio to be Lestat instead. Uh, I thought these, these were kind of interesting choices. Um, mm-hmm. John, John Malkovich. Okay. Uh, Peter Weller. Okay. Or Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Irons, I can see yes. Yeah, I, uh, of those three, I, I would go with Jeremy Irons. Uh, like, I mean, he's just, he's, he's got the most flair. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> um, and I think we mentioned this before, um, but uh, River Phoenix was supposed to be uh, Daniel. Yeah, he was. Uh, unfortunately, passed away uh, yeah. before filming. And then yeah. Christian Slater graciously jumped in and took over the role yeah and he gave his entire paycheck to one of river phoenix's um charities he did yes yeah so they were they were friends yeah it it was a shame because i mean river was a talented actor and really gave his all to everything that he did yeah yeah he would uh he would have done really great things um yeah that's why, uh, so they gave him an end credits dedication. At the end yeah. 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 Um, uh, Kirsten was the first actress to audition for Claudia or for try out. Yeah, I think they just found her in like a cafe or something. Yeah. And she ended up getting nominated for a Golden Globe. <laughs> yeah, she did. And I mean, I think she was a good fit. Like she was an unknown, and I mean, I think that they needed that, like that 
innocent like face and and she definitely had that she has that face like even now I would say like even as she's like gotten older she still has sort of that like wide-eyed innocent sort of look to her mm-hmm. and she plays that she plays that well she plays the ingenue very well right yeah no, I agree um, overall I really enjoyed the film mm-hmm. um, I, I I know um, Rice was hesitant to um, present it to producers she didn't think the um, kind of homoerotica type relationship that was hinted at uh, would fly they she even like had a was prepared to change Louis uh, sex mm-hmm yes to accommodate them um, so that was interesting um, yeah I mean I, I think that like it definitely it, it's hinted at in in the movie but yeah like it's just it's not full swing as it was sort of in the novels where they're sort of more fluid. They're not, there's no sexual preference. They're just fluid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad they, they, I'm glad producers didn't do that. I'm glad they kept it closer to the book and then recast. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. That like, I mean, there's so many th- things where like, so many other films were uh, like around that time where they were afraid to broach that subject. So they, they definitely recast or, or danced around it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was only really kept in like art type style films where you Mm -hmm. get, um, uh, lead gay actors. Yeah. Or, or however you want to, want to call it, uh, it will, what you didn't see it very often. Um, but didn't have to do that way. And one of the actors who was considered, if they were going to switch, um, was uh, Cher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can see why they would do that. Like, but she definitely has that on-screen presence and she definitely can play mm-hmm. play up like I mean I think in a sense like Tom Cruise played the stop very campy and I think I think that um, Cher would have done it justice as well if they had uh, changed it to a female character I think she would have played up that like enjoyment yeah. aspect yeah would have had to do a lot of script changing though with yeah, yeah with the uh, the reason why Lestat took Louis and the land and the... oh well. yeah but it didn't happen so didn't happen they they kept in the 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 male companionship aspect. I wonder if Cher would have sung a uh, end credit song. <laughs> I wonder if she would have done "Live and Let Die" because oh. I mean. <laughs> Oh God, I like, I mean, just a side note, um, there was, I mean, there are some people of the camp that love that live and let die version sung by, uh, um, what's his name? Oh my God. I'm having a moment. What's his name? Guns and Roses. Yeah. Done by Guns and Roses. And, um, and I'm of the Paul McCartney camp. 
I sure. don't care, but there's that there's that camp that like totally is like I love that's my favorite version, and I'm like, I remember someone that I was dating in high school said that what he loved he said that the Guns N' Roses version was the best version of it, and that relationship didn't last very long. Yeah. <laughs> wow! Uh, I was like, hey, I was young and I was petty, so I was like, <laughs> it was just me going like, nope. Now we don't have much in common now. <laughs> this this, <laughs> this party is over. But like I had fun, but you like you like the wrong thing. <laughs> My maturity level at the time was was apparent. Like where I'm like, oh, you don't like the same stuff. Oh God! But I mean, you know, much more mature now. I like Edward and I are very different in terms of our. <laughs> <laughs> our, our you're, you're more accepting of each other. I'm much more accepting, yeah. and I'm I'm much more encouraged different uh, different uh, interests. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep it fresh. Oh, um, but yeah, um, yeah, like uh, yeah, there's that camp. But yeah, I could just imagine Cher doing that, and I love Cher. I do. I still love her. So it would have been an interesting choice for sure. Yeah. Um, she really would have uh, out um, uh, <clears throat> height uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, I think everyone, I think everyone except for me, out heights Tom Cruise. <laughs> you have to do some 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 of that camera trickery they used in Dracula to to make him look high down. Well, I mean, he uses stilts. Okay, <laughs> we know that he uses platform shoes to appear taller. Like it's okay, but he's in a tall woman, so mm-hmm. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so uh, Stan Winston Studios did the makeup effects. Oh yeah, um, they were mainly into at this point. They were mainly into animatronics and um, more more practical. And they were getting into digital as well. They worked on. Uh, I think they worked on Jurassic Park as well as Industrial Light and Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one oh, one I thing lost I lost you again. Oh. oh, there you go. You cut out for a second yeah. there. <laughs> Man, don't know why. I, I I'm, I'm using my data too. I'm, I'm not even on Wi-Fi. I don't know what's going on. But yeah, it's just uh, it, it, it's it's a visual. Like I mean, I wouldn't say that the aspects of interview with a vampire were like visually like like the visual aesthetic wasn't like the most memorable memorable part of that movie for me no no it was the story yes yes story in the costumes yeah um Um, but the one thing that i found interesting was um their technique uh you remember because remember how uh the vampires had very pronounced blue veins on their skin. Mm-hmm. So, in order to get that effect, they basically hung the um, actors upside down. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, and um, and to to so the, the the blood would rush to their head, and the veins would be more pronounced, and then they would trace the, the blue blue lines on them. I don't know why, but I feel like Tom Cruise would have been totally into that. 
He's the oh, kind yeah, of guy that yeah. just seems like game and like commit yeah. anything to make himself like. And he's competitive too. Like he's very competitive. Right. So like I mean, he just would do anything to like commit and like just stand above everybody else. So <laughs> such a weird, such a weird fact, but very interesting that they did yeah. that. Um, so it was a it was a pretty much a hit for the studio. Mm-hmm. It, it, it did make uh then I, I think it did really well in the international market, but uh yeah, it was uh it was uh fairly well hit and it was recognized by rewards and all that. Yeah. Uh costume awards and uh whatnot. I think soundtrack too. Yeah. Uh, um, I can see that. I can totally see that memorable for me too that harpsichord mm-hmm. like piano sound right. oh and Lestat has his own theme yeah I love it like the little harpsichord and you know that it's him like coming in you're like oh Lestat's going to be on screen again especially at the end of the movie like where he's in the car yeah what did you what did you feel about that ending how did you feel about that it was very different from the book I know, but I love that. I still love that end. It's so dramatic and so on brand for Lestat that I'm kind of like, I'm like, I, I'm okay with that ending. Mm-hmm. I am okay with that ending, a hundred percent. And it leaves it very open ended too. Yeah, it did. Nothing came of it. Yeah, I mean, no, nothing but... came of it. But I think that was a studio choice. It was definitely a studio choice to like. Have have that ending scene. Oh yeah. Oh, for it, it felt very tacked on. Really, um, it was it, it like its own type, uh, own little scene. Like, oh, we gotta get Tom Cruise once more on screen. Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, I I have to say, like, just in terms of like the buildup of Lestat through that movie through Tom Cruise's lens, is just like it's just a fitting end for that character. Like for Lestat's kid, like the Tom Cruise Lestat in that movie, where he's like, Oh, Louis, like, I'm so sick of your whining, you know? I'm going to give you the choice. I never had. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that, that, that stance of, uh, yeah, like, I just, I love, 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 love that ending scene. Like, it's such a campy movie. Like, I, like, I get excited when it's on. And I will watch it from start to finish. <laughs> so, I mean, the book is different, obviously. Yeah. Like, the book ending is very different. But, yeah, I like that ending. I still think it's, like, my top endings for, like, for, for that. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a little cheese. Uh, I was probably a little more, more book purist back yeah. then. But I, I can see why they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, moving on to the year. Uh, 1996. Okay. Um, did you have any things in between um, 94 and 96 you want to talk mm, about? Not really. Like, I mean, those are just like key moments that stand out for me in terms of. Uh, film cinema books and uh, like i can't think of like uh, like i mean my vampire reading didn't really start till much later 
Like, I mean, I started with Dracula and sort of, like, made my way to other stuff. I never really got into the teen, like, adult, young adult fiction stuff. Right. But, yeah, like, uh, like nothing really stands out for me in terms of between 1994 to 1997 in that okay. respect. All right. Um, well, in 96, we had Robert Rodriguez's From Dusk yeah. Till Dawn. I get really excited talking about right. that. Oh, um, John Carpenter. Oh, I should talk about John Carpenter's Vampires, but I believe that came out around the same time as Dusk Till Dawn, I feel. Yeah, okay. I think it was 1997. Okay, well... Um... Let me just double check. That. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Rod- Rodriguez uh, directed this, and the script was done by Quentin Tarantino, and it was the first uh, script he got paid for. Um, and mm-hmm. and um, great little film, great little cult film. I didn't make a lot of money it fell out of the uh, box office fairly mm-hmm. quickly uh, i think it was um it did well on opening weekend of course um, it did it was an action type went, film though too so yeah i went into this and me and my friends went into this thinking it was oh it's like oh it's quentin tarantino it's gonna be didn't know it was Rodriguez directing it, but at the time, it's like, oh, we saw Tarantino. We were big fans of Tarantino at the time, and we just went to see it. And I think, like, just based on the movie poster, I don't even remember seeing a trailer mm-hmm. for it. So we went in there not knowing it was Vampire. Mm-hmm. Made, I think, all the more awesome when halfway through. Surprise, it's Vampire. I know. Uh, <laughs> So it starred, um, here we go here, uh, George yes. Clooney, uh, which he was just pretty much fresh out of ER. He was, but I, yeah. like, I mean, he's the big draw for me. Like, in that movie, I'm a George Clooney fan. And I, I love George oh, Clooney sure. in, like, campy, comedy-esque films. He's, he's so good. That is yeah, his he, home. Um, uh, so he is uh, Seth mm-hmm. Gecko, uh, one half one half of the Gecko brothers, the other one being Richie Gecko, played by Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Harvey Keitel, always reliable Harvey yes. Keitel, as Pastor Jacob Fuller. Um, he's with his daughter, Julia mm-hmm. Lewis, as Captain Fuller. And they're, they're... So, yeah, George Clooney, Juliet um, Lewis, Kate Fuller. Yeah. Ernest Lewis, Scott Fuller, and then a whole bunch of cool uh, character actors or, or, or usually behind the scenes mm-hmm. guys. But we got Tom Savini as Sex Machine. I love it. Best name ever, possibly. And one of the most memorable <laughs> scenes from that movie. Oh my God, yeah. The crotch gun. Um, <laughs> the crotch gun, the crotch revolvers. Um, we got Fred Williamson mm-hmm. as Frog. Uh, he was the Vietnam... Uh, Mm-hmm. There, uh, Danny Trejo, because it's a Robert Rodriguez film, and you can't have a Robert Rodriguez film without Danny Trejo. Yep, nope. Uh, he was just kind of a background he character, was, yeah. uh, Razor. Um, uh, Cheech Marin, who played three characters in the he film, he did, 
He was a little bit of a Wizard of Oz type guy in that movie. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and I mean, who can forget his his uh, his spiel at the front of the uh, the Titty Twister um, bar? <laughs> He's talking at length of all the different forms of female genitalia. <laughs> yep. Um. Oh my god, my friends and I were rolling in the aisles. It was just so over the top and ridiculous. I I love him. Like I mean, I love Cheech Marin. I love Tommy Chung. Like separately, they're great. Together, they're just yeah. unstoppable. But they both bring yeah, their own brand. And like Cheech Marin, like every time you see him in something, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's see where he yeah. takes us on this journey. Exactly. Exactly. Um. And lastly, Selma Hayek yes. as another interesting name. I don't think she has any lines in the film. No, but... she doesn't. She's mm-hmm. eye candy. She yeah, she, she didn't need any lines. Uh, <laughs> she was memorable. <laughs> yeah, she was uh, um, San Santanico Pandemonium. I know that name. Oh, my God. It's a mouthful, but I like it. It's fitting. It's That's fitting that. for her little uh, viper dance that she does yeah. on stage. Yeah. Um, what can I say? It, it feels very much like a, a Tarantino film at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, with a bank robbery, with, with quipping between the two. Um, you find out uh, Richie is a bit of a psychopath. Um, mm-hmm. That he, they, he like uh, kills one of the hostages, um, one of the bank tellers, I think, that they take with them to the hotel. Mm-hmm. And a bit of a surprise to Seth, but also not a surprise. He he, he knows that his brother is not all there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it continues where um, the brothers then take this. They're, they, they're trying to get to Mexico and um, uh, specific um, place in Mexico, El Rey, I think it was yeah. um, So they take this family hostage, this uh, pastor and his uh, two kids um, and uh, they you know, get over the border to meet up at this bar where they're going to get um, someone else, Carlos, mm-hmm. um, to a safe spot. And so that that's the drive of the first half of the film. Yep. And um, you see, kind of Seth is the, the definitely take control brother. Yeah. Uh, he, he he's, he's the boss, and uh, he's trying to keep Richie in reign. Yeah. Because he's lusting over U.S.'s uh, uh, character, mm-hmm. and real creepy deal with. Um, with Tarantino's uh, character, he's—I want to say he's like he's funny, he's funny, but it's but creepy. He's, he's very creepy. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. But like the the weird little visions he has, like separate, like from the yeah. reality, like it's like it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, you 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 get these types of uh, uh, flashes of where he thinks. Is 
the person of his desire is talking to him and like enticing him. Yeah. And this probably happened with the uh, the bank teller as well. Mm-hmm. And they are most definitely not saying this stuff, and, but in his mind they are. So you see kind of fractured brain that he has. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's just, yeah, it's he's such a creepy character. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, George Clooney sort of plays the straight man to his brother, like to, to yeah. Quentin Tarantino's character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's almost, it's almost like, and as as the movie goes on, you almost kind of a anti-hero. Yeah, and uh, like it, it is such a changeover, to, like when when that happens, where you're like, but I thought he was a bad guy. Like I thought that they were yeah. setting you up to be the bad guy, but then like with with the, all the chaos that ensues, he sort of has to step up and be like his role is reversed. He has to like be the the protector you mm-hmm. know and they're like visually i mean it's a stunning movie for special effects um oh uh, because i mean tom savini obviously was the visual effects lead on that film but he also had greg nicotero and the k and b effects group working with mm-hmm. them on that film and and greg nicotero does uh, is a can is in the cameo scene where where the crotch revolver is used, oh, okay. where he like Tom Savini uses the sex machine uses the whip to pull his beer away, okay. and then he goes to I think he brandishes a knife, and then Tom Savini does the the crotch revolver, and he's like, oh, oh okay, that that's uh, Greg oh, Nicotero, a young Greg Nicotero. Oh, so cool little aside from that. <laughs> Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, I mean, you you ha- you have this plot of the of the the crooks trying to get across the border and save. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this poor poor family dragged into it, and the pastor's trying to keep the peace, and and a pastor who's questioning his faith yep. uh, after he lost his wife. Um, so uh, quite a bit of uh, drama going on with the, the family. Uh, you have a um, adopted son mm-hmm. too. Because uh, yeah. um, he was of Asian descent, and um, then they're 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 brought into into this. <laughs> it looks like a biker slash trucker bar, mm-hmm. uh, and after they get past Cheech's um, uh, introduction, mm-hmm. uh, they go in there and they're like, "Oh, okay, well, we're just gonna chill here. Everyone's gonna be cool." Mm-hmm. Uh, you cool, Ricky? You cool? Yeah. <laughs> and um, they're just gonna have drinks and and watch this the show, and um, mm-hmm. and you so you're kind of waiting for well, okay, what what what's gonna happen? Not sure where the plot is going, but I'm for it. This bar is super interesting to look at. It was an amazing set. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of this weird mix of modern and and ancient um, uh, kind of Aztecian uh, uh, look to it, mm-hmm. and and then Selma Hayek comes out, lights turn off, spotlight on her, and so it's this big performance uh, with with a with a python. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then she got ugly real quick. 
<laughs> yeah, the the tables are flipped, and vampires are now springing out of everywhere. Yeah, Danny. <laughs> Danny Trejo was a vampire. He was a bartender. Yes. Everyone who worked at the bar basically looks to be a, a vampire. Yeah. Everyone that's not a patron, like a sucked in patron, is a vampire. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it just turns into a blood fest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the music starts blaring. Great, great music in there. Um, the band turns into vampires. And at one point, it's so it's so gets so campy and so over the top. Uh, at one point, the, the the guitarist is now playing a guitar made out of a human being mm-hmm. with a leg shoved up its ass yep. and acting as the arm like for the guitar. The it's so ridiculous, but it's so funny. I, I think it's a it's true Rodriguez. Like Tarantino can't be like styled too. Um, for for sure, for sure. Um, uh, great, great fighting, great death scene. Mm-hmm. So much blood. So much blood. I think that's the, um, like the like that's the thing I love about that movie. It's like it's just blood everywhere. Like, and, and how the vampires die is just. It's so like awesome. They melt. Yeah, they just bleh. And it's something um, that we never like we haven't seen before. It's like a it's a whole other like take on vampires that we haven't seen before in terms of dying. And it's so utterly gory, and it, it's it's yeah they, they they just go for I, it. I think the thing that I love about Savini is like that's just not enough blood. We need more blood. <laughs> like anytime you see a yeah. Savini, Savini like run special effects situation, it's like we need more blood. Yeah, we need we need it. Like I mean, just more, 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 more. I almost think is the reason why he says that he does that is because he knows some of it's going to get cut anyways. So it's like you know, let's do an excessive. So when it does get cut, it's. There'll, there'll still be a, a fair amount. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a smart guy. He knows he knows how how it works. Oh, for sure. Like he he, he like, uh, it's 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 he's he's Pamela Voorhees Knuckles. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember, he was he was the beheaded Pamela yeah. Voorhees, the hairy knuckles yeah, of Pamela yeah. Voorhees. <laughs> The beheading scene, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's just that, like, um, more blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, after uh, after the initial assault, yeah. there's only a few survivors. the The family survives. Well, everyone basically survives, but Richie has been bitten. Yep. Um, and then we also have uh, a couple of the patrons, uh, Sex Machine. Is alive as well as um, Frost, played uh, by, by uh, Fred Williamson. Yeah. Um, so at this point, it almost becomes um, it's it's a it's a survival horror. Mm-hmm. Um, vampires uh, are outside waiting. There's a whole bunch of them uh, grouped up waiting to make an assault into there, mm-hmm. and they're looking for 
anything they could use as weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's it's like literally not the movie we started out with. Like you, you we had no, no inkling that this is the. It was a bait and switch. Like at this, yeah. Movie. If you didn't see trailers that spoiled it, and you just went into this blank, like even the the poster didn't really tell you as vampires there's bats on the cover but it, it just it's just flying around the um, the bar yeah no so it's like oh that might just be for you know effect um yeah but uh, yeah so we're, we're halfway into this and it turned into a full-on vampire assault movie. yeah yeah it, it, it's so good though like i mean the movie is so so good like it's, it's... <laughs> It's life with Quentin Tarantino dialogue. Um, he, he writes dialogue like no one in the business. Oh, he does. He will. He will dialogue the shit out of everything. So, <laughs> yeah, great performances by uh, Clooney and probably some of the best performances by Tarantino. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't. That was an actor, but this is. Uh, he he was he was good in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Harvey Keitel is always great. Yeah, uh, and he, he's he's struggling for his faith, but now he actually he gets his faith back because now he's protecting his family, mm-hmm. and, and you know it's he you know his faith can help protect him from the vampires. He he blesses water that's then put into a water gun. <laughs> I love that scene. That is like it's like modern take on vampire. Like, like siege cool. taking yeah. taking on yeah. the vampires. Let's modernize the shit out of this. <laughs> um, Seth uh, Clooney's uh, gets this. I don't know what it is. It's some sort of drilling or staking machine, mm-hmm. and then they put a stake into it. It looks somewhat sexual. I don't. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's really odd. I don't know what else you would use this thing for but it's like this it's this automatic staking machine yeah <laughs> that just thrusts in and out <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it's it's, like, it's it's so good though like it it's so like so good <laughs> it's, yeah. um and the second assault comes and uh this time uh not everyone survives. Um, we have uh, both uh, um, Frost and Sex Machine get uh, bitten. But I uh, love so we... Sex Machine's death in that movie. It's so good. Like, it's so Tom yeah. Savini. <laughs> to go out with as bloody as possible. Yeah, so Tom Savini. Like, it, it, out with a bang, not with a whimper. um as well as uh uh kaitel's character gets uh yeah so now they're in a even smaller room as the vampires are taking over the the bar and uh it's it's a last put oh and they at this point they already killed richie who had turned yeah um and now it's down to uh the kids seth and a bitten but still alive Harvey Keitel. Yeah. They fight their way out. Um, he pro- he asked the kids that when he turns, promise that promise 
I guess in the promise to kill mm-hmm. him. Um, so he does turn and the, the son can't do it. Uh, Scott can't do it. And he ends up getting uh, bit by his own father mm-hmm. and just pretty much devoured by all the other vampires. He doesn't even get a chance to turn. No. Um, and uh, yeah, the at the last second, um, Carlos, the guy they were supposed to be meeting here to take over the border, uh, he comes in, opens up the door, lets in flood of sunlight, and uh, they they start to uh, I think I think they start to bust open windows too, like Seth. And yeah, that. and uh, they yeah get saved by the sunlight. Yeah. They've made it till dawn. Uh, They've made it to dawn. Not all. Yeah, them. from from to dawn. No, only only uh, Seth and uh, Kate are left. Yeah. And um, Kate, whose entire family got wiped out, Seth, whose brother got wiped out, and here I think he's gonna take her under his wing and and bring her, but he actually leaves mm-hmm. her. Um, he leaves her probably thinking that. You don't want to be in my life, and um, you know it's it's too dangerous. And um, he just he just leaves, take, takes a car or a bike. I can't remember. Yeah, he yeah. he he rides off into the the sunrise instead of the sunset. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then it pans out, and it's revealed that the titty twister is on top of like an ancient Aztec temple. Yes, <laughs> you see it from the a chasm, a half of a chasm cut away there yeah um yeah i loved it i i I loved it i still love it uh i didn't love i didn't love its direct to dvd sequel yeah no like (laughs) i just feel like anything that goes to direct to dvd um is not necessarily like worth watching like i hate to say it it's just like let's see if this works and if there's enough of a like a cult following then we'll we'll do well and and yeah. and the thing about Tarantino, like and Rodriguez, is that aside from Spy Kids, Rodriguez really hasn't done any sequels, and neither has Tarantino. Like Tarantino won't do any like continuation stories. Well, Rodriguez has his um, the ones that he started with. Yeah, um, with. Um... Antonio Banderas. Uh, what, what was the name of it? Um, Desperado, or yeah, uh, Once it was Upon called... a Time in Mexico. Yeah, that was the third one. Yeah. What was the original? Uh, I can't. Uh, like I, I can't remember. I can't remember. Um, and that was and the first time that character was played by a different actor because it was very low budget. Yeah, his first film was supremely low budget, but it. it like yeah. I, I would even say like like yeah the machetes are like sequels but like they're like they're standalone films on their own were those by Rodriguez? yeah oh, Machete. Okay. that's a kid that's his character like i mean turn uh danny trejo very much came up with the concept of machete but like that's a rodriguez film i believe but let me double check and but um yeah it's 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 his his like whole thing and that's because uh during the, the that whole 
um, Grindhouse, those two Grindhouse films, like Planet Terror and and Death Proof came out. They uh, Robert Rodriguez released like a fake um, a, a fake uh, oh, machete a fake trailer. trailer, and everyone was like, yeah, "Oh yeah. my god, you have to do this!" <laughs> and he was like, "Okay, fine, yeah, I'll do it." <laughs> Yeah, like there was enough. Well, two. Yeah, two movies came out with those fake trailers. Yeah, that and Rucker Howard, um, which was a Canadian um, uh, addition to the trailers. Uh, Hobo with Hobo shotgun. with a shotgun. Yeah. Uh, oh, El, El Mariachi. Mm-hmm. That was that was the first one that uh, Rodriguez directed. Mm-hmm. But I find that like even with uh, Machete and Machete Kills, like I don't there's such a difference between the first and the second movie that they can be considered their own standalone films. I don't, I don't think that machete is a, like machete kills is a direct sequel to machete because they don't make any reference really to the first film. Um, Yeah. So that was from dusk till Mm -hmm. dawn. Um, It it did spawn two direct, to video sequels, and I think one had Bruce Campbell in it, but yeah. not in the extended role. I think it was like a, it was a very short screen time role. Yeah, well, I mean, Cam Bruce Campbell himself is sort of just like that, ha ha, kind of at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think Rodriguez directed those. I think he, he was probably a producer. On yeah, I don't think. I, like, I um, mean, I think they would have had much more of a scream. Like, they would have been in theaters yeah. if that had been the case. Because after that, yeah. like, he has such a good history of box office success that it it probably would have been different if he had directed them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it... Yeah, or and there, were, there certainly would have been more budget. Although I can see him still working with a smaller budget. Mm-hmm. That's that's where he uh, he seems like that, that, that type of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, as well as it, they later on uh, under um, Rodriguez Production Company, um, they spun it off or kind of rebooted it into a uh, series yeah. uh, for. Netflix. I haven't ever um, I haven't watched a single episode of that but I've watched I'm halfway into season two okay um it's not bad it's it's obviously different it, it, there's much more story to it and uh, we talked about this before the recording but the mythos there's of, much more of a mythos to yeah, it more, much more mythology and they put it more towards um well they're not vampires anymore they're more of a snake creature mm-hmm. um and so venom is their is, is their thing yeah uh, but they go into the history of of where they came from uh like there was like there was a goddess who is uh or a priestess who who was thrown down mm-hmm. and and she returns and it's a definitely a bigger uh, history the and it it acts as a prequel readapting the movie and then continues on past the movie with those characters um and richie gets turned but he doesn't die yeah in, in the television series 
So it's really, it really is a reimagining of the original film. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, Don Johnson is in it at the beginning. Oh God. <laughs> he, plays a, he plays a Garrett or a Marshall. Oh, he's great in it. They introduce another Marshall. It's it's something. I I I'd say it's it's a it's a good reimagining um, of it, and uh, it's. It's worth it. It's worth a look. Uh, just, 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 just. Did you ever watch the Ash versus the Evil Dead series? Because that was I'm on Netflix. I'm watching that with friends right now. In comparison <laughs> to both of those series, what would you say is the better of the two? Like, I, I'll I would... probably watch from Best Hold On, but I loved Ash versus the Evil Dead. I loved that series. Ash is much more rewatchable and much more. Um, it's, it's probably a better pace because mm-hmm. uh, the episodes are relatively short, yeah. They're like twenty-five minute episodes and all yeah. that. Um, so it it really moves at a clip. Yeah. Um, Dust till dawn is probably a little more slow burn at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to know that they really go into the background of the characters and the setup and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whereas Ash versus Evil Dead feels still like the movies for the most part, um, uh, Dust Till Dawn doesn't quite feel like Robert Rodriguez directing. It feels a little more traditional mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in terms of that. So yeah, I would I would still out. I enjoyed. I mean, I'm a huge Evil Dead fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I and it's you know you got the original actors here, so you got Bruce Campbell where everyone is recast. Yeah. Stuff, so, yeah. yeah. Um, both good in their own right, but Ash is much more rewatchable. Yeah, uh, I mean, and you have uh, you have Xena, the warrior princess, and it. Uh, oh my God, Lucy! Yeah, I love her. I Anytime she's in something, I, I get real excited. So. I know. She, she's I don't see her in enough things. You know what? Like I, I she needs to be in more things. Can we just like just start an online petition Lucy Lawless in more things? Please. <laughs> <In> more things. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah, so she so yeah, she's in that. But um yeah, I I will probably watch some Dust Hold On, but like I don't know. I love the movie a lot. Yeah, it, so. it's a different. Um, I I'd, I'd say give give maybe the first couple episodes a try. Yeah, if it doesn't hurt, uh, I totally understand. Um, but uh, I mean, this came out years ago, and I'm still just kind of working my way through mm-hmm. it. So I've obviously not. It hasn't carried my interest enough for me to binge yeah. it. But I I'm still returning to it and still watching it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, uh, like I was gonna say, like uh, around the same time that this movie came out, uh, Bordello Blood came out. I don't know if you've ever watched Bordello. Oh, so campy, so good, and you have to watch it. It's Tales from the Crypt. I, I can't find it. I like, I, I can never see it streaming anywhere. Uh, it's one of those like you, it, if it's on TV, you just have to watch it. <laughs> Yeah. Um. And possibly, maybe uh, Shutter will probably air it during no. like, like Shutter maybe at some oh. point. Because hopefully, because yeah. they're they're still in talks. 
to do the original yeah. Tales from the Crypt uh, series. Bringing it, bringing it back. Shutter? Yeah, bringing it and bringing it to Shudder. And I mean, I, they've been talking about that for like five or six years now. And I keep going like, when's it going to happen? I want to hear Elia Kazan again. I want to hear his like, and it was supposed to be M. Night Shyamalan attached to it as well. Oh, interesting. Which, I mean, what a twist. Really. Um, what a twist. What a twist. <laughs> um, uh, well, Creepshow is doing well for sure. Yeah, and I mean, that's also because Nicotero is such a huge right. fan of the original Creepshow that he, like, like, that's his. That's his baby. Like, right. so. I don't think he, like, uh, I don't think anyone could do it justice more than Greg Nicotero could. Yeah. Uh, it was funny that you mentioned Bordello of Blood mm-hmm. because this script for Dust to Dawn was um, considered by the studios to be a part of the um, Tales from the Crypt. Oh, that would have been so Dude. cool. You know, but then uh, they decide just to release it on its own. Oh. But it was, yeah, it was really intended to be the second uh, film. Um, but they went with Bordello for for that. Well, I mean, it's just Bordello Blood is such a key, like, it's just in line with that Tales from the Crypt sort of vibe, like that campiness. Oh, okay. And, and I mean, they had Angie Everhart in it. She played Lilith. So she was the okay. she was the madam of the bordello. Only thing I know about this film is I see Dennis Miller with a water gun. Yes. That's all I know. <laughs> I know nothing else about the film. Oh, it's so, so good. Like to... the deaths are great in it. There's lots of blood, lots of like like just explosion type like deaths in it. Um uh, Phil Fonda, Fonda Caro, I think he was the, the little person that was like he was pretty prevalent around that time like as an actor like he was in a lot of like he was in kids movies like he played like like dwarves and he was in, in the Sabrina the Teenage Witch series he played a character on that show um, oh wait uh, you, you know who I'm talking about. Maybe. Um, let me see. He's here. famous he for wearing like a cowboy hat and everything. Like every time his like character is in a movie, he wears like a cowboy like hat and like a long what coat. Uh, Phil Fondacaro. But he was also in like he was also in uh, an Olsen twins movie. Double Double Toil and Trouble. And I <laughs> this is I grew up in the Olsen twins era, so I was a, I was I know. I'm like I I'm just I'm just like throwing out my age here, like just telling you like all the kids' <laughs> movies I watched, but like, <laughs> um but yeah, he was he's in the movie. Oh, he was in Willow. Yes, thank you. He played um, um he was the the big guy, like he was the uh Oh man, he was—he was like the warrior of the Willow's Village. Yeah. Um. Yes. Okay, I know. I know who that is now. Yeah, he was also in Troll. And Ghoulies. Cool. Can't remember. And Garbage Pail Kids, the movie, which I can't believe they—they <laughs> they made that. They—they they made. That was... <laughs> yeah. 
a thing that was made. <laughs> that was a thing that was made. Um, but yeah, uh, Erica Eleniak was in it. She was also pretty, like, one of the it girls at that time. She was in the movie as well. Corey Feldman played her brother in that movie, and he he oh, cool. he sadly um, he's sadly, like, only in the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes of the movie, he's turned into a vamp he's 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 basically like turned into a vampire but not like i think he i don't remember if he was turned into a vampire it's been a while since i saw the movie but he is like gone in the first 15 minutes of the movie like he's 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 done (laughs) um chris randon makes a uh cameo appearance as a reverend in the movie so it's kind of a, a tip of the hat to his uh um fright night character oh oh okay yeah 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 he's reverend current in that movie okay um but yeah the most memorable like i mean because it's true tales from the crypt fashion is the ending scene where dennis miller is the Wait, are you, are you spoiling this for me now? Uh, no, I won't spoil it then. I won't tell you anything. But yeah, Dennis Miller. Okay. I, I love Dennis Miller. And like, he, I think they were trying to poise him as like the next comic to film star. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he was right. going to be, he was going to be the next like big comedian slash actor at that yeah. time. And I just don't think like I mean I love him in that movie he's so campy but it just never really took off I think for him like I don't think he's ever really had a big starring role no he's he's no it's weird he's known for his weekend update on Saturday Night Live Mm -hmm. Um, and then he did this he was was trying to make his movies and then he kind of went back to behind the desk for his own uh, talk show yeah and been behind a desk ever since yep yeah yeah but i i think that's more fitting for him i i feel but yeah like there was a bunch of like big time like faces in this movie like they really tried to take all the big faces of that time and plop it into a movie again but it's true tale tales from the crypt like of that time style like, I don't know if they'll take it back to, like, the original sort of, like, very dark twist. Right. Like, they had with the original, like, mini-sodes and everything. But the movie's right. really, like, aside from Demon Knights, I found Demon Knights to be super dark in terms of material. Yeah. This was much more of a light take on it. Like, there was some, like, there's obviously some scary parts, but not to the level of demon knights as far as i'm concerned yeah <clears throat> and i think demon knights did much better oh it did <laughs> oh well anyways still, still, still have no yeah and 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 yeah around i didn't know about though the dust till dawn relationship to tales from the crypt so that's a very i think that would have been very on brand with the series yeah as opposed to the movie series. <clears throat> like yeah, the start I, and the twist. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I think they probably went with the wrong vampire film mm-hmm. if they wanted to keep Tales of the Crypt, um, Tales from the Crypt uh, alive. Uh, I think if... if yeah. If Dustal got 
branded with that, we probably would have got a third um, Tales from the Crypt uh, film. Yeah. But I think we should probably take that and launch right into Buffy now. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a series. <laughs> did you want now? Did you want to talk about this now, or do you want to talk about it later? Because it's getting five o'clock. Oh, okay. how you do? Yeah, um, yeah. Nine. There's fuck. I forgot. 90s has a lot of stuff. I, didn't I realize. know it <laughs> takes a lot of twists and turns, but I think that's that's uh-huh. the good thing. Is like 90s was sort of the revival of the vampire okay. lore yeah. type of thing. Yeah, right. It took right. a little bit of it took a little break. It was a little bit of smatterings here and there in the eighties, but not to the level of the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, vampire the thing. Okay, so why don't we um stop it here? Okay. Uh we'll do we'll do a, a part two of the nineties where we'll cover Blade, um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series mm-hmm. and Forever Night. I also want to talk. Oh, Forever Night. I feel like that's more eighties, like well, late eighties, early nineties, right? Like that no, was Forever no, Night. It came, out, uh, it came out. I'm talking about the original, not the remake. I'm talking about the series. Yeah, the series. Yeah, there was the series that, yeah. and then there was the remake series later on. Remake. Yeah, Forever Night. There was a there was a remake series later on, with uh, so Forever Night with Jarrett Wynn Davies was is nineteen ninety four. Okay, was it nineteen ninety four? I feel like it like, but it was Canadian, so like it had, it had that Canadian production slap on it. So, well, according to IMDb, it was yeah nineteen ninety four. Hold on, let me double check, because um. Always like making sure, but Forever Night, the original series. Uh yeah. That yeah, nineteen ninety nineteen ninety two actually. Mm. That was the original like the original original. Is that the one with Springfield? Yeah. Yeah. That was just a movie though, wasn't it? That was just a made for tv no movie? no it was on it was actually on tv for three seasons and it was canadian it takes place in toronto with rick springfield or jaren win davies jaren win davies had the series hold on let me this see. was spun this was spun out of the movie starring rick Springfield. oh okay see like i never saw that i never saw the movie i just remember the canadian series that took place in toronto yeah that's that's the one that I wanted to talk about. I, I don't remember. Uh, okay, yeah, because that was 1992 to 1996. I think Nigel Bennett was in both. I think Nigel Bennett was in the one with the Springfield. Yeah, well. LaCroix. He played LaCroix in both. One of my favorite uh, mentor vampires. Yes. Um, yeah, so I definitely want to cover that um, next time as well. For sure. But yeah, they did actually remake the series uh, in the uh, mid-2000s. Um, I have no idea. Um, yeah, it, it was a newer take on it. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it one of the actors was in Being Human. So I don't know if you ever watched Being Human. I did, yeah. Um, not the American one, though, the English one. Uh, okay. Because, yeah, that, that, the actor that was in that 
um, was in the the Canadian American version of being human. Okay, uh, here it is. Uh, originally in 1989, CBS television movie. It was called Nick Knight. Oh, which, okay. Playing the title character in 92, CBS began broadcasting the series as part of its Crime Time after Prime Time lineup with a new name and with Darren Wynn Davies now playing Nick Knight. Mm, okay. That makes Using sense. Using a pilot shot with Davies. Okay. So it was kind of rebooted and yeah um i remember watching this at the same time i was watching uh highlander oh okay it had very similar feel to it in that you would flashbacks um to an er earlier time Mm -hmm. so similar to that but uh anyways yeah so yeah next time we'll do we'll do uh blade buffy and Reverend Knight. All right. Good? <laughs> yeah. All right. This is going to be a bitch of an edit because of our dropped voices. Here, I know. So. <laughs> where I'm like, okay, we're going to have to like, oh, okay. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this one's going to be tougher to edit. Um, I'll, I'll try to get the our last one up uh, today. I have to make dinner and then get ready for my D&D, but I'll, I'll try to squeeze that in between. Mm-hmm. If not, then I'll have it up uh, tomorrow. Okay. And this episode probably is probably going to take a bit, so probably next week, sometime next week. Mm. Oh, they. Right? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. You know what it was? It was uh, not a remake, but it's called Blood Ties. I don't know if you heard of that one. It was in two thousand seven. Like it was Blood a cut. yeah, it was a cop vampire drama. Oh, with Kyle Schmidt. Was it Canadian? Yeah, it was. It was Canadian. It was shot. Uh, I don't think it was shot in Toronto, though. Oh, so was it? Was it connected to Forever Night, or was it like conceptually just similar? It's conceptually just similar. That's why I thought it was a remake. Oh, okay. yeah. So that's why I was like, I think I remade it. But no, it was blood. It was a totally <laughs> different name for the show. But I feel like conceptually, the same idea. He was okay. uh, he like he's a cop. He's a cop. Yeah. Oh. You know what? Okay, now I remember that, and I remember being pissed off. It's like, why didn't he just bring back Forever Night? <laughs> I know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And it was Toronto, and they said it was Toronto too. That's that's what I loved about. That's why, I, like, you know, that's why I got so confused. I was like, I'm pretty sure they remade it. I'm pretty sure, and like, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, nope, nope, totally different name for the show. But basically the same concept. Oh, interesting. <laughs> How long did that last? Uh, it actually lasted, I think, four, three or four seasons. Like, I mean, pretty good for a Canadian, like, series. Yeah. Yeah, Forever Night was three seasons, uh, 70, 70 episodes. Yeah, I'll give, like, I'll give it to them. Like, they actually did a good job of, like, I mean, most Canadian series don't last that long you know so when you think about it like being yeah. human it was shot in Canada it was a US show like it was a US drama show but yeah, yeah. 2007 yeah. they don't have an end date for it they just said uh, 2007 
Uh, yeah, no, it was two two seasons. Two, yeah, it was two, almost three seasons. So they did pretty well for a Canadian series. Right. Yeah, I remember catching Forever Night. It was always on late at night. Yeah, it was, like, it was a showcase show. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. Then choke. It was CBS at first. Yeah. And then, uh, showcase came on. They, they started to yeah. they pick up the list. I think the USA Network had it for the third. There uh, was a bit of a cast change to it. Yeah. His partner was killed off, yeah. uh, off, off screen, and he got a new partner, and a new vampire was introduced. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I still love it. It's a very fun memory. Yeah, uh, like I mean, I remember watching it on Showcase. Like they actually showed mm-hmm. showing it during the day. Like in the early two thousand, so like, it was an interesting concept though for a show for. Yeah, uh, cop who's trying to kind of regain his humanity, um, and then his old mentor and his um, other uh, protege, the the woman Jeanette. Yeah. Uh, comes down and she's tolerant of Nick's seeking of humanity. Mm-hmm. But Lacroix is like, no, 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 you're denying your true self and you're a killer. Yeah. <laughs> and what what happens when your mentor becomes a a radio late night uh, talk show host? He's <laughs> like always constantly on the air now. It's uh, it was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and his excuse for not working on daytime is because he had a photosensitive allergy on skin yeah i remember that how they that's how they explained it away like why he couldn't be there during the day like oh no we can't be here during the day because he's got a photosensitivity he can only come out at night i was like oh that's a clever way of explaining away the vampirism yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think i would pull that one too i'd be like no sorry i'm photosensitive to light i can't be out no flash photography please (laughs) Oh, what else can you do? Yeah, exactly. All right, Mallory, thanks for coming on. Oh, for sure. Um, a little bit of technical problems, but I'll, I'll, try, to, I'll try to smooth it out. Yeah. Um, more importantly, I didn't cough. So that was, Yay! That was well, you had some water on standby, I'm hoping. Yeah. <laughs> water up there. Um, Okay, Okay. Uh, we'll do it again uh, next weekend. Awesome, cool. Okay. Okay. Have a good one. You too, bye. That was part one of our 1990s look of vampire films. Stay tuned for part two, where we delve a little more into the action genre for vampires as well as a good look at some standout television shows. So for Mallory, I'm David Schmidt, and we will see you next time, or hear me next time, on May Contain Violence. Intro and outro music by Greg Hatton.